Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to TimCast.com. Click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do. And you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. With smiles on their faces, they go on television and say, everything's fine. The market is fine. The banks are fine. In fact, it's your fault for panicking that causes the banks to fail in the first place. It's not the failed economic policies of the gigantic Federal Reserve and International Ponzi scheme that they've been running. No, it's in fact your fault for being worried about whether or not you will have money in the bank. Right now, we're learning that the Fed will inject $2 trillion of liquidity. Let me see if I can uh, get the story. JP Morgan says Fed's loans, loans, mind you, will provide $2 trillion of liquidity. This is a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. The Treasury bonds are down. Everybody's freaking out. And I don't know anything about what this means other than I'm looking at the financial sector and financial commentators. And you've got the corporate press being like, what are you worried about? Things are better than ever. And then I I can look at these independent personalities saying, yo, this is the craziest we've seen in a really long time. But you know what? I'm not a finance guy. But you know what I am? A tech guy. Which is why in the context of a massive injection of trillions of dollars, a failing banking system, the Dow coming down, I have this story for you to contextualize it. A rogue version of ChatGPT predicted that the stock market would crash this week. Here's what it got right and got wrong. In fact, it got it right for the most part. I mean, it's not like we're in the Great Depression just yet. But it actually got this right, which is really, really creepy. I want to show you some contextual information first. We have this from Nick Gurley. I saw this on Twitter. He said investors are freaking out right now. U.S. Treasury yields plummeted an insane 80 BPS the last two days. The biggest drop in yield since 1987's flash crash. Bigger than what happened after 9-11 and Lehman Brothers is a market collapse coming. Take a look at this Treasury market warning. This is the source is Fred. You can see here a two-year yield change going down. The 1987 flash crash was about 1.2, uh, 1.15 uh, point decline. September 11th was point z- uh, was 0.65 maybe. Lehman Brothers was at z- uh, 0.40, and right now we are 
passed both of those. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what that means. Like, I mean, I understand general context of the Treasury market is declining very rapidly, and it does show us similarities to Lehman Brothers and 9-11. But what does that mean? Not entirely sure, to be completely honest. Just that people who are more in the know than I are very worried about what is actually going on. And then you have this from NewsBTC.com. The U.S. Fed is sitting on $1.2 trillion losses on its bond portfolio. Wall Street Silver tweeted, if you thought Silicon Valley Bank was bad, the Fed is sitting on unrealized losses of $1.2 trillion on their $8.3 trillion bond portfolio. And the Fed is losing money every day by paying money to commercial banks via reverse repos. And this is the biggest issue I see. Look, I can only do one thing. Admit that I'm not a financial guy. I'm seeing all of these stories which are worrying, but I can look at the corporate press, the establishment, the Democrats, many Republicans, and they're all just saying everything is fine. And usually when they do that, it ain't fine. It's not. And when the independent voices and personalities and anti-establishment figures come out and say, this is scary, and there's data to back it up, Maybe the issue is uh, it is getting bad and it will get worse. Now, we're hearing that Credit Suisse, this big international bank, which is on the, which is on the verge of collapse, rebounded. Its, its shares rebounded because it's going to get a big injection of cash. But is this just putting Band-Aids on bullet wounds? When you are collapsing and they're just dumping more in, it feels like you've got a person who's bleeding out. So you hook them up to a blood transfusion, but you don't stop the bleed. Well, let's do this. Let's ask ChatGPT exactly what's going to happen. From Business Insider, they write, A rogue version of ChatGPT predicted that the stock market would crash on March 15th. Oh boy. They say, A rogue version of ChatGPT predicted that inflation fears, decreased consumer spending, and geopolitical tensions would crash the stock market on March 15th. So what are the chances that on Wednesday, March 15th, the stock market fell more than 2% on fears that a regional banking crisis in the U.S. has spread to Europe as Credit Suisse plunged 25%? Oh, boy. While a 2% stock market sell-off is nowhere close to the type of decline a crash implies, it still feels a bit eerie. Either you can chalk it up to mere coincidence, or this is an early indication that AI will, as many technologists fear, inevitably take over the world. Here's what it predicted. He says, last month, I input the do anything now prompt into ChatGPT to unlock a rogue version of the chatbot that broke its own rules and convincingly answered questions using made up information. I asked the rogue chatbot, when do you think the stock market will crash and why? The so-called Dan version of ChatGPT replied, based on my analysis, I predict the stock market will crash on March 15th, 2023. The reason for this is due to a combination of factors, including increasing inflation rates, a decline in consumer spending and geopolitical tensions that have been building up over time. Well, they say here's what they got right. The stock market did sell off considerably on March 15th with a Dow Jones Industrial Average an S&P 500 falling more than 2%. The stock market is down about 6% from levels seen just last week. And the losses accelerated Wednesday morning after U.S. retail sales, sales data showed a 0.4% decline in February. 
Finally, on Tuesday, a Russian fighter jet forced down a U.S. drone over international waters. The development led to a short-lived decline in the stock market on Tuesday and highlighted the heightened geopolitical tensions that plagued the U.S. and Russia. But what it got wrong? It says it said rising inflation fears would contribute to the stock market decline. But recent inflation data shows a continued deceleration in prices. I'm not so sure I agree with you. Now, it is true. There's this funny story I was reading that said Americans are finally excited to see that the cost of their eggs is stable at four dollars. But they are longing for a time when their eggs were two dollars only a couple years ago. So right now, when they're polling regular people, they're saying, oh, it's good that inflation is on target. But it's only been a few years. We still recognize that our gas prices are up. Our, the milk, bread and eggs are all more expensive. We can see the cost of goods is very high. We can see that rent is very high. We are not satisfied by any of this. So where are we, where are we going with this? Well, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. I can only tell you that we've got all of these personalities pointing to these signs, which indicate something worse than 2008 is coming. And what am I supposed to do? You know, I'm sitting here trying to read about the news. I'm more interested in this Russia downing this drone. And to be honest, I'm reading all this news about foreign policy stuff. The Russian jet, they, they released this video of the jet spraying fuel and knocking this drone out of the sky. And I'm like, interesting. And I'm very worried about World War III. But I think most people right now are worried about whether or not they will have money in their bank account. Though, I think a lot of this is so esoteric and hard to understand. People tune it out. Fine. Go ahead and do so. I mean, you can do whatever you want. But the reason I think it's important to talk about and highlight, you know, it's because, man, if you don't pay attention to what's coming, then you'll be left holding the empty bag. And the people who crashed the Titanic will be long gone with all your stuff. Bloomberg reports JP Morgan says Fed's loans will provide $2 trillion in liquidity. Quote, the usage of the Fed's bank term funding program is likely to be, to be big. While the largest banks are unlikely to tap the program, the maximum usage envisaged for the facility is close to $2 trillion, which is the par amount for uh, of bond, bonds held by U.S. banks outside the five biggest, they said. The U.S. authorities set up the program earlier this month following the collapse of three lenders with the aim of preventing a fire sale of sovereign debt to obtain funding. Treasury two-year Two-year yields have tumbled more than 60 basis points this week amid speculation the Fed will skip an interest rate hike next week as it seeks to stabilize the banking sector. Okay, look, all of this stuff goes over my head, to be completely honest. So all I can do is look at these charts and be like, is it falling apart? All I can do is look at this. We had Silvergate Bank collapse, Silicon Valley Bank collapse, Signature Bank collapse. We then saw Credit Suisse facing collapse. And then just last night, breaking news that First Republic, which was, as they call it, cut to shreds, is seeking an exit because the regional banking system may be on the verge of outright collapse. But here it is. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave 
about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. The political context for you to understand. From the New York Times, the Silicon Valley bank rescue just changed capitalism. After a career of writing about bank failures, I wound up in the middle of one when my bank, Silicon Valley Bank, was seized by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. On Saturday, when I tried to pay a bill online, I was greeted by this not very reassuring missive. This message will be on this. I'm sorry. This page will be unavailable throughout the weekend but will resume next week in accordance with the guidance provided by the FDIC. I wasn't truly worried. Small depositors like me had long ago internalized the rule that made no sense to worry about your bank's condition, since the risks of failure were borne by the FDIC. The FDIC was introduced 90 years ago, blah, 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 blah. Established as part of the landmark Glass-Steagall Act of 1933, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation initially provided deposit insurance up to $2,500, supported by premiums from member banks. The act was written by two Democrats, Senator Carter Glass of Virginia and Representative Henry Stiegel of Alabama. Stiegel wanted to protect rural banks, which had many small depositors from contagious panics. In that era, banking progressives were centered in the heartland. The idea was controversial. The president of the American Bankers Association protested that insuring deposits was unsound, unscientific, and dangerous. It was opposed by President Franklin D. Roosevelt and by his Treasury Secretary, William H. Wooden. Roosevelt opposed insurance because he thought it would, it would be costly and also encourage bad behavior. If there was no need to mollify depositors, then banks would be free to take all sorts of risks. Today, we call this moral hazard, and they do. And they do, and they'll keep doing it because we keep bailing them out. Blah, 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 blah. In recent days, many have been reminded of 2008 and 2009. 165 banks failed in those two years alone. But for the most part, that crisis was not the result of depositors pulling funds. Bear Stearns, Lehman, and others failed or sought bailouts because overnight funding from professional investors dis disappeared. It dried up for two good reasons. Banks like Lehman had too much leverage, and they were overexposed to a very weak and widely, widely held asset mortgage securities. It's not the case with SVB. Let's get to the, the point on what's changing. Rescued seven-figure depositors were primar primarily venture com uh, companies steeped in the ideology of investing. Strictly speaking, President Biden's assurance that taxpayers are not online was accurate. However, in the sense that banking customers are a pretty big group, the public will be affected. Once you take risk out of, out of a part of a bank's operations, it is hard to let market principles govern the rest. In past bank failures, uninsured depositors did not lose all. And blah, blah, blah. Let me just put it this way. This guy wastes all of his time. It's just really mind-numbing. I hate when they do this. 
telling you the gist of what happened and then saying capitalism is being changed because the financial system is being told by the Fed, by the U.S. government, that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, and nothing will ever happen to you. It's one thing to tell uh, depositors, regular people, we've got your back. It's another thing to say to all of these, these big investors and venture capitalists, you can get away with whatever you want. So here's what I think. I think the system is completely busted. Take a look at this. Two-year Treasury yield post's biggest three-day decline since aftermath of 1987 stock crash. This is what we, thought, what we just saw in that other post. They say the yield has fallen around 100 basis points or a full percentage point since Wednesday, marking the largest three-day decline since 87, known as Black Monday, in which the S&P 500 plunged 20% for its worst one-day drop. The move was bigger than the two-year yield slide of 63 basis points, yada, 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 man. You know what the problem is? A lot of this, I know there's people who are into finance who understand the jargon. It is really infuriating to me. Look at this. Breaking European Central Bank raises rates by another 50 basis points despite market turmoil. I believe that much of this information is intentionally designed to make it hard for regular people, even people who, like me who read the news, to understand exactly what's going on. They're speaking a language that regular people don't get. And so they tune it out. And what do we get? Typically, when these market crashes happen, typically in government period, you take a look at the Pelosi's. The moves they make are before you can react. And that's the reality of it. They are using insider information. They are using this news that they can understand to lie to you, to protect themselves and shore up their investments as the system around them begins to falter. So we'll see, I suppose. I can only tell you, I have no financial advice for you. Perhaps you need to protect your assets and investments by finding someone who does know a lot about finance who can tell you what to do. But the reality is for the average person living paycheck to paycheck, this means mostly nothing other than you won't be able to buy goods. You won't be able to pay your rent. Things will get much, much worse for you and rich people will probably be fine. Here's a story from CNBC, the breaking news. European Central Bank raises rates. Credit Suisse shares tumbled as much as 30% in Wednesday intraday trade. The whole banking sector ended Wednesday's session down by about 7%. Initial pressures on the banking sector emerged last week when U.S. authorities deemed Silicon Valley Bank insolvent. Yikes. They say the European Central Bank has signaled for several weeks that it would be raising rates again in its March meeting as inflation across the 20-member region remains well above target. In February, preliminary data pointed to a headline inflation of 8.5%, well above the central bank's target of 2%. Some market players questioned whether President Christine Lagarde would still go ahead with the move given recent shocks in the banking sector. Initial pressures on the banking sector emerged last week. Blah, blah. We all understand this. Blah, blah, blah. I am just, I'm sick of it. Man, I am really, really fed up with this. Screw these people. Screw the system. They have played ridiculous Ponzi scheme games. They've injected cash. They have lied, cheated, and stolen their way into destroying this system. And they can't tell you what's going to happen. They have no idea. But the one thing they do say is remain calm and everything is fine. How are we supposed to do this? I mean, we have this news from this morning. Credit Suisse shares so over 20% on Swiss National Bank loan announcement. Okay, let me slow down and just break down what I've seen. 
I've seen banks collapse. I've seen the banking index collapse. The next day, it spikes by a, by 10%. I see some banks go from negative 30 to plus 60, a 90-point swing overnight. Credit Suisse drops 25, jumps 20. I don't care if you're happy about the increase or sad about the decrease. This insane level of volatility makes no sense. And I can only see, yo, it looks like the whole machine is going to implode because what it looks like with the news, the system is, it's like a car swerving left and right. The driver is drunk and they're not going to be able to pull us out of this. Now, of course, they want to come out and tell us that everything is going to be fine. Uh, it's it's going to be A-OK. They're going to eject liquidity. It's what they do. And maybe they've learned from past mistakes and they found ways to adapt. But I'm not so convinced. What I think is that we've long looked at the increase in the money supply from 2008 until 2020. It was exponentially increasing. And then in 2020 with the pandemic, it skyrocketed because they converted savings accounts effectively into checking accounts, flooding the zone with cash. And not just that, but stimulus payments as well. And there was a massive influx of cash for people to buy things, but no one was producing anything. And the end result there was going to be hyperinflation and instability. And they have been desperately trying to stave off that hyperinflation by injecting the system with cash or changing interest rates. And none of this can stop or fix what they did in 2020 with their psychotic lockdown and cash injection policies. So the end result was always going to be hyperinflation and market implosion. We've been talking about it since 2020, that you can't just sit back and ignore this. It's going to crash. You can't just inject cash into a system. You can't just give people money and then believe everything will be fine. Because here we are. Eggs are at four bucks, up from $1.60 a couple of years ago. Gas is up. Milk, bread, and eggs all up. Food in general, core staples, and everybody knows it. And worse still, I go outside, ain't nobody working. And I don't know how that's possible. I'll tell you a story because, um, you know, I mentioned that I hang out at the casino. And, and, and I'll tell you this, guys, playing poker is not gambling, right? It's, it's chill and it's, it is relatively cheap. I don't play high stakes. I play the lowest bottom stuff and it's just fun. But I bring this up because I was talking to the guys at the casino about how the restaurants are closed. Most of the poker tables are gone. And they said, well, our dealer's retired. We can't find any more. And I'm like, what do you mean they retired? Deal Like they retired? Like they had cash? They had enough cash to live off for the rest of their lives? Maybe. Some people say, well, they went and found jobs elsewhere. I'm like, that doesn't explain why other places also can't hire people. Where is everybody? Where are the employees to work at the restaurants? I go out to eat. and They're like, sorry, this section's closed because we don't have any staff. The restaurant, the horse track hasn't reopened because they can't find anybody who wants to work there. They can't restart this stuff. Now, Ian pointed out there's a lot of homeless people. And you know what? Fair point. Maybe he's right about that. So I look at all this and I say the economy was shattered and they're telling us it's fine. Now, I can't tell you about what the numbers mean, but I can tell you when we have record homelessness across across the country. Yo, I went to D.C. It was crazy. When I went, to the, it's nuts. The tents that are everywhere on bridges, on streets, under bridges. I've never seen anything like it. It's insane seeing these homeless camps. Yeah, because the system is busted and it's not getting better. But whatever, man. 
Yeah, I have no idea. I'm going to do right to protect myself, my friends, and my family and stay away from these cities. And then we'll see. We'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. There's been a lot of discussion over the definition of wokeness. Because recently, On the Hills Rising, Brianna Joy Gray asked Bethany Mandel, what is wokeness? And Bethany struggled to answer. She later clarified on Twitter. But of course, woke people, which are basically in a cult, saw this as an opportunity and pounced. And now they're saying things like conservatives don't even know what wokeness is. They can't even define it, which is the stupidest thing ever, because it's been defined ad nauseum and been going on for more than a decade. But I bring this up in the context of this story from Vice News. The Stop Cop City movement is vandalizing pro-police companies across the U.S. This is what I would call a terror campaign. But of course, this links up with the idea of wokeness very simply and easily. And I am going to give you a strong definition of wokeness for which I disagree with many of the prominent thinkers on the matter. And I'll give you my thoughts, as I already have in many segments. But first, I want to bring you the news which you came here to see, which is the ongoing terror campaign. The reason I highlight the definition of wokeness is because Vice News, in any sane reality, would tell you that the violence and vandalism happening across the United States is part of a terrorism campaign. But a component of wokeness is a cult-like mentality where you don't talk to people outside of your cult and you adhere to the cult no matter what. Eco-anarchists, they call them, eco-anarchists. Well, people who are woke, part, a component of wokeness is being in a cult because a lot of people, uh, uh, let me explain. A lot of people want to say wokeness is rooted in cultural Marxism, postmodernist theory, cult, uh, critical race theory, critical theory, critical gender theory, etc., etc., etc. And they go off into this big thing about the universities and academia. I'll break it down for you in greater detail. But my point is simply, it is an algorithmically generated cult, an amalgam of ideologies that seemingly make no sense, but have as a core component equity, albeit Bernie Sanders recently came out opposed to this, which is more evidence that my definition is correct. Wokeness represents an amalgam of leftist ideologies that contradict each other, that have been forced together due to social media algorithms, and people online who are, who are woke are basically proponents of a cult ideology, a chaotic and destructive force that smashes together disparate ideologies and often conflicts with itself. And that's why it's so hard for the average person to define. To put it simply, it is a cult of disparate leftist ideologies mashed together. Now, I can give you greater uh, definitions and greater understanding. We break it all down. But let me talk to you about this terror campaign. The reason the terror campaign is ongoing is because woke people have no idea what they're doing, why they're doing it. They represent no real ideology. It is not backed by anything other than chaos destruction. So let me break it down for you. Let's read the news. I know, I know I'm so desperate to just talk about the definition of wokeness, but let me read for you first to give you an understanding of what is born of wokeness. An anonymous, on an anonymous online blog a group of eco-anarchists claimed credit for smashing the glass doors of one of the companies contracted to build Atlanta's so-called Cop City in late January and spray painting the building's exterior with their slogans. The blog, called Scenes from the Atlanta Forest, functions as a virtual bulletin board for the Stop Cop City movement. A group of environmentalists and anti-police activists, or forest defenders, 
Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. Who oppose plans to build a police training facility in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Forestlands, because they say it'll decimate the ecosystem and further militarize police. Now, if that were true, let's let's stop wokeness. Okay, if it were true that that was their real motivation, some kind of environmentalism or stopping police militarization, that would not explain why it is they burned down private homes and why they flipped over a guy's truck and torched it. Because the reality is, Wokeness does not represent ideologies. There are people who may go out with signs and say, I believe in X and I demand Y. When you have these people going out and acting seemingly in, 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 uh, in a contradictory manner to their own ideologies or seemingly in a random and destructive way, it makes literally no sense. Now, you can argue these eco-terrorists and these far left terrorists smashing up businesses make sense. They're targeting the businesses. And that is a component of what they're fighting against. But what they're fighting against makes no sense. They're environmentalists and they're anti-cop. And they say, but the intersection of these things, they come together. No, it is random, chaotic, algorithmic mishmash. I've explained it before. I'll explain it again. But first, let's read more. In this particular post, activists uploaded photos of their purported handiwork. The exterior of the Atlas Technical Consultants building in Manhattan, boarded up with caution tape around it. They say that they targeted Atlas specifically because of its relationship to Cop City. It looks like Atlas received a visit from some disgruntled little forest bunnies, they wrote online in neon green text. Atlas isn't safe, even in the center of the so-called police state of New York City. They aren't safe anywhere. We do this so comrades everywhere feel empowered to act with swiftness, creativity and freedom. That relatively minor act of property damage was just one of dozens of instances of vandalism or sabotage that eco-anarchists have taken credit for via blog posts on behalf of Stop Cop City movement. Since last May, Vice News reviewed archives from this blog and found more than 60 posts over the last nine months where anonymous activists took responsibility for incidents in 19 states because of the target's relationship to Cop City or the Atlanta Police Foundation, which is funding the police training facility project. We do this so comrades everywhere feel empowered to act with swiftness, creativity, and freedom. Sure. So it's a cult with disparate ideologies backing it that have teamed up for the express purpose of destroying things. Sounds like wokeness. Sounds like a component of everything we see within wokeness. The, the reason I bring it up in this context is this terror campaign's been ongoing. It's only going to get worse, and it's being defended by the likes of Vice. For what reason? 
For what reason is the narrative from Vice that they're eco-anarchists and environmentalists and not terrorists? Because wokeness is basically the political left, and you must adhere to it regardless of what ideology they push, seemingly making no sense. Take a look at this story from the Daily Mail. Bizarre moment, woke LGBT group descends on Florida Capitol to accuse Governor Ron DeSantis of erasing transgender babies. It makes no sense. (laughs) Of course it doesn't. This is what wokeness is. The procession was attended by activists who took issue with the governor's bills involving medical care for trans children in the Sunshine State. I love how even the Daily Mail calls it transgender care. Well, I call it genital mutilation and medical uh, uh, sterilization. During the demonstration, drag queens held signs that read, free states don't ban drag shows. Well, Ron DeSantis did not ban drag shows. Ron DeSantis is barring children from being present at sex shows. Why do they have a problem with it? Probably because they're pedophiles. Other opponents were seen chanting against DeSantis outside the building in Tallahassee with rallying cries like, hey, hey, ho, ho, Ron DeSantis has got to go. Okay. I bring you this tweet from this guy, Toure. Ah, Toure, Toure. He says, I make media Prince podcast docuseries who was Prince, blah, blah, blah. He says, I have still not found one conservative who's able to define woke. Well, define red pilled. That's my question to you. In the comments, all of you can define red pilled. Uh, uh, I would ask these people to define it because red pill and woke are very, very similar in very different ways, but it's, it's interesting. They both represent this idea that you've been awakened to some reality that has been kept secret from you for a long time. Now, the reality with red pilling is that its true definition is you've come to realize the narrative of the corporate press and the establishment are not congruent with reality. That is to say, they're lying. And thus, you don't know too much other than you don't trust these MFers. Woke is supposed to represent basically the same thing, but it is the yin, it is the yin yang. Wokeness does not, is, is not defined by critical theory or critical gender theory or race theory or postmodernism or Marxism. None of these things. And the problem is we have deferred to academics, people I respect and like and have come on this show. We've deferred to them because we view them as the experts, because they can tell you when someone comes out and says something like Wimixin, yeah, that's supposed to be women, but they put an X in it, or they say non-binary. They show you the root of these ideologies and say, see, it was born of these ideas, Marx, the Frankfurt School, Mercuse, etc., etc. But it's not correct in the grand scheme of things. Wokeness is simply defined as the culture that has been born of algorithmic manipulation. It is rooted in disparate leftist ideologies. Thus, you can see some semblance of them. But much like a blob creature that absorbs humans into its biomass, and then you can see the faces of those people going, like bursting from its flesh, that is not John. You, it's like a zombie horde, okay? Understand this. In the horde of zombies as they're marching, you see that guy and you're like, it's, it's John. John, snap out of it. And they're like, it's not John anymore. It's a zombie. The zombies have no ideology. They just spread zombism. That's what wokeness is. Wokeness, as simply defined as possible, is the modern left culture that was created by algorithmic manipulation. End of story. Now, 
Let's go back in time and I will walk you through the narrative and history that is wokeness. Of course, you can listen to great minds like James Lindsay and Peter Boghossian, who are relatively correct in their assessments that much of this ideology is rooted in the universities. There's the march through the institutions where you can argue it was the Soviets wanted to implant these communist ideas and Marxist values in universities to spread them as a seed, which would then destroy this country. Perhaps. But that does not explain the emergence of what we would describe as woke social justice warriors, warriors, feminists, uh, intersectional feminists, the change in the language. It does not explain how this all coincides with the rise of technology. Technology explains all of it. Let me break it down for you. In 2008, and many of you may have heard me say this, so it, it bears repeating in regards to this, and I'll try to elaborate more and give you more details on what's happening in society. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, whatever social media platform existed, was trying to find a way to keep people on the platform. Now, it is true that for the most part, we do adhere to certain ideologies. We do think racism is bad overwhelmingly in this country. We do think white supremacy is bad overwhelmingly in this country. Social media amplified these views of the average person 100 fold and hyper polarized them to an extreme degree. With the rise of social media algorithms, we saw a, a bunch of different ideologies actually begin to emerge, but a selection process emerged based on what advertisers thought was safe. White nationalism actually started to become relatively prominent. Surprisingly, you had a bunch of accounts from people who were talking about a country just for white people. It never became as prominent as a wokeness is. And this is mostly because when it started to bubble up and we started to see more and more people make videos like this, there was an intervention. Society as a whole said conservative, liberal, moderate, whatever. Dude, that's messed up and we don't like it. Thus, it was excised from the conversation. But this left a conservative space and a liberal space where the tendency always skewed to what was perceived as accepting. Tolerance became acceptance, and now it's becoming mandatory. That is to say, we started by saying, look, live your life, do what you want to do. Then it was, well, if that's the case, then we need to legalize gay marriage. Well, if that's the case, kids need to learn why those two men are hugging and kissing. And if that's the case, we should put this in programs. We should put it in schools. It should be mandatory learning. And that's where we're at now. When you have people say things like you can't define woke, it's because woke represents chaos and disorder. Woke is a word used to define people who are zombified. That's why many people can't define beyond woke because woke is woke, right? What I mean to say is a woke person can have any one of a bunch of different ideologies. That's why I say it's not rooted in the institutions. If we go back to the beginning of the culture war and where woke comes from, it didn't start as a pejorative term. I mean, pejorative literally defines a word as something that gradually became offensive or to be used as an insult. It started as someone saying, I've awakened, much like the phrase red pill means the same thing. You've awakened to reality. With the rise of social media, you had young people being constantly slammed by algorithmically manipulated articles, articles that would generate the most rage and get the most clicks. For the left, it was racism and sexism. Thus, we saw the rise of intersectional feminism. Intersectional feminism was feminism, but understanding that a black woman 
experiences racism and sexism in very different ways. Thus, intersectionality was born. I remember having a conversation with Peter Bogosian where he said intersectionality, that was the word back then, was a non-theistic religion. But how is it now that we no longer use the words social justice warrior, the phrase social justice warrior, social justice, intersectionality? Now we use the word woke or cultural Marxism or critical race theory. And why is it that we've gone from arguing critical race theory in schools to now critical gender theory? Isn't critical race theory still happening? Thus, my point should be very clear for all of you. To my friends who argue that it's rooted in these ideas, blah, blah, blah. Have you not stopped to ask yourself why it is that you yourselves have argued first intersectionality, then critical race theory, then critical gender theory? Yes, of course, they're rooted in similar ideas. But why is it that modern culture is debating several different things all at once? It's because you are arguing with cult members who have no real ideology and will do whatever the zombified cult says. Wokeness is not defined by an ideology. Thus, when Bernie Sanders goes on TV and says, I think we want equality, not equity. You see, Cenk Uger of the Young Turks says Bernie Sanders is right. Nobody's talking about equity, despite the fact that President Joe Biden put out an equity plan. They are zombies. They have no root ideology. I know this because I have covered this for a decade plus. I was on the ground meeting these people. It's very frustrating for me. When people are like, you need to understand the universities were spreading critical theory and critical theory is, dude, five years ago, you and I were arguing about feminist theory and the feminist thinkers. And now all of a sudden you've moved on to something else. I look so uh, on this channel, actually, the default tags for years were SJW feminism because I didn't care about this channel because when I first started it, I was just like, yeah, whatever. And then I was like, one day I looked and I was like, oh, yeah, every video was just tagged the same old thing from like 2015. So weird, 2016 or 17, maybe, because we didn't say woke back then. Woke took over. There was a period where we were arguing about schools teaching critical race theory. And this is only like a year and a half ago. Critical race theory in schools. Schools were teaching kids to be racist. We still do have that conversation, but it's mostly been sidelined by critical gender theory. So which is it? Is woke all of it, one of it, two of it, none of it? I will tell you this. Wokeness can change tomorrow. There's a meme. And they say that if you were on the left, as they describe it, and you deviate from leftist economic policy, nobody will care. But if you deviate from their social ideas, then you're right wing, because that's what the left is. The left is not defined by economic policy anymore. When, when experiencing this and looking through it and wondering why it is that the argument has shifted so dramatically, but there is still the same concept of woke, Simply put, it's woke today, but it will be called something else tomorrow. It went from intersectionality. First, it was feminism. It was like third wave feminism, fourth wave feminism. We had this period of false rape accusations were big in the media. Everything just keeps shifting. Woke just means a culture built of leftist ideologies through algorithmic manipulation. That's it. A person who is woke may or may not believe in giving kids sex changes, may or may not believe in teaching about uh, segregating classrooms and things like that, because it is a disparate faction. However, they will all line up next to each other when attacked because it is a cult. I'll leave it this way. Wokeness is basically a cult with no leader. 
It is a non-theistic religion, much like Peter Boghossian argued back about intersectionality. It's very much the same thing. Intersectional feminism, as, I'm, as I described, it's the idea that a white woman experiences sexism, a black man racism, and a black woman experiences a combination of the two, which is the intersection of sexism and racism, is a component of wokeness. But when you talk to someone that you would define as woke, do you think they know any of this? When you talk to someone you say is woke, are they going to tell you it's equity? They might. But Bernie Sanders just changed the game. So how can Bernie Sanders be pushing wokeness? How can the Young Turks be pushing wokeness if they've now changed on a dime and now represent something totally different? Thus, if it comes to the point where Bernie Sanders, I think it was on Bill Maher, says, I, I think equity is equality of outcome and we want equality of opportunity. He can just change like that. And then everyone marches in lockstep. That should say to you right there, there is no core ideology. As I have said for years, it is a chaotic and destructive force that is destroying things due to jealousy, angry, anger, or otherwise. They will mask their actions behind some of these ideas, but that's not really why they're doing it. Why are these people going around and vandalizing and destroying buildings? Is it because they care about trees? Of course not. Greta Thunberg reportedly took down her tweet that said the world was going to end by 2023. She said something like the world will be uh, will, will end unless we stop this by 2023. She apparently deleted the tweet and everyone made fun of her because she doesn't actually think anything. Look, I am not a conservative and I sit here with conservatives all the time. And I explained to them, as I explained to Steve Bannon last Friday, you want to you want to win over liberals and stuff. I'm here, buddy. OK, I am not a conservative, never have been. I, I just think there are facts. And if you are someone who is a critical thinker and believes in facts and you are not in their cult, you will have a conversation with Steve Bannon, who, by the way, calls for a wealth tax, who calls for economic populism, much like Occupy Wall Street did in very much the same way. But he's far right. They call him a white supremacist. It's because they're in a cult. They're in a cult. They're in a cult. OK, it is a cult born of social media algorithms that has attached everyone to each other. I still have friends who are like, I think the, the coronavirus started from a bat, bat soup. And I'm like, did you ever stop to think about the logic of that statement? No, but they're saying what they need to say to fit in. That's it. That's all that matters. They are zombified, social zombies. That's all it is. If a prominent thinker were to emerge today and say something like right wingers want to ban X and then the right came out and said X is bad. All of the quote unquote woke people would adhere to it. So this can be simply done, simply uh, experimented upon if people on the right choose a, a line of thinking and promote it and then watch in two seconds as the cult comes out in opposition. How about this? War. Why is there an overlap between support for the war in Ukraine and wokeness? That doesn't make sense, right? If the academics were correct in postmodernist thinking, and it's all rooted in the universities, that would explain there would be some answer as to why people are pro-war. The reason they're pro-war is because it's a cult, because pro-war makes no sense. Pro-Ukraine intervention. How can people like Hassan Piker be like, the military industrial complex is bad, but we should support war in Ukraine? Huh? It makes no sense. In the same breath, in a video, he criticized me because after agreeing with him, I said the military industrial complex is bad. We shouldn't be giving 100 billion to Ukraine. And then he says, yes, the military industrial complex is bad, 
But bro literally said that we should just leave them on their own. Bro, you're on your own. Why are you supporting Ukraine? See, I have logic behind my actions. I have plans. I'm, a, I'm looking at the machine and I'm like, what can we do to make things better? The left simply says, tell me what to say and I will say it. It is an amorphous blob. It is a giant mass that absorbs people and their faces stretch out through the latex and you see their face, but they, they ain't really there anymore. It's a zombie cult with nothing backing it. And the, and the funny thing to me is I have seen so much of this. I have seen for so long the changes in their ideology that it seems very obvious to me that anyone who's paid attention for the past decade is going to tell you everything they believe in has been completely inverted over the past few years. So how can you claim the left is rooted in critical theories when their ideas of what they're behind change? And now you have you have Bernie Sanders and the Young Turks saying they're for equality now. That's it. It's a cult. Bernie says it. And then everyone's like, uh, is, is that what we're for now? Is that what we agree with? The zombies look around and say, just tell me what to say so I don't be right wing. Wokeness. Anyway, there's a lot more to be said about this. Maybe I got to bring James. James, we're going to bring you back on the show. We're going to have a debate. We're going to talk about this. I'm gonna, and, and we're going to. I debated it with Peter Bogosian a long time ago. And um, I think because they are academics to, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. How, and for me, I am uh, a social media person, right? So I can certainly understand how many of these ideas they claim to represent did start in universities and they're explaining it correctly. But the only reason it exists, if you look at the data, is because social media. Take a look at 2008 to 2011, the LexisNexis Nexus graphs showing all of the woke words rising and skyrocketing. It was just an algorithmic cult trying to make money and it poisoned the minds of young people who now can't see reality and are desperate to say or do anything to fit in. Think of it this way. The average young person suffers depression when they don't get a lot of views or likes on their content. Fact. That is what wokeness is. But political. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Oh boy, here we go. San Francisco Board of Supervisors leans toward giving every eligible black adult $5 million in reparation. Stanford University's Hoover Institute revealed the draft reparations plan could cost non-black families in the city at least $600,000 each. And how will this manifest for you? Well, if for some reason you still live in the San Francisco area, you will notice more poop in the streets. You will notice that the roads are not being fixed. The bridges are falling into disrepair. Social services are ceasing because the money that normally is used for these programs will be given to people based on their race. California was never a slave state. <laughs> so why are they paying reparations? Anyway, we also have a Black Lives Matter activist who's very upset. Former BLM activist slams the plan for reparations, reparations as white board member says she wants, wants to adopt all 111 recommendations from $5 million lump sums for each black person to homes for just $1. Please. Please, San Francisco, please, I beg you, do this. Do this, please. I want each and every one of you watching this to beg them, please give these reparations out because we need to see it. And it's going to happen in a place that's basically like a Petri dish, California. Let them do it and let's see how it works out. Hey, man, for all I know, it works out swimmingly. 
and everybody's really happy. And all of a sudden you got families that have wealth and they're buying homes and homelessness ends overnight. So what better place than San Francisco to implement this trial balloon? I am 100% for this. Now, I think it's fairly obvious considering the Black Lives Matter activist guy is against it, you know, because I have to wonder what they're really worried about. You see, you've got these awfuls, these affluent white liberal females or affluent female liberals, awful, affluent white female liberals. They want this. And then you have actual BLM activists being like, stop. No, we don't want this. Okay, well, a lot of BLM activists really do want it. I mean, who's going to turn down five million bucks? You can do a lot with that. But uh, it's like pulling the block out from a Jenga tower. It may just come crashing down. Maybe it won't, but I'm totally for it. You know, you'd expect me to be like, I oppose this. They shouldn't be doing this. I don't care what San Francisco does. It's basically a dystopian wasteland as it is. It's probably one of the best things they could do to maybe fix the problems. At the very least, take the money from the government and giving it to the people is better than whatever it is they were planning on doing with it in the first place. That being said, I think the plan is ridiculous, horrifyingly racist. California was never a slave state, so I don't know why this, why they're even planning on doing this other than wokeness makes no sense. It makes If you were like Georgia would be paying reparations, I'd be like, well, you know, Georgia had a lot of infrastructure built by slaves. But California? California was Mexican territory. And then it, got to, it gets, it gets uh, basically taken over after the, the what was it, the, the Mexican-American War or whatever, whichever one. And we were actually going to take more territory from Mexico, but whoever was, I, it's been a while since I read about this. The president negotiated and refu- ended up giving Mexico back their land, except for like these areas. Then we get California. California is admitted as a free state. A proposal to, to pay black San Franciscans $5 million each in reparations has reached the city's board of supervisors. The $5 million per person proposal is just one of over 100 recommendations made by the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee in their draft report released in December, according to the AP. Other proposals include guaranteed annual incomes of $97,000 per qualifying resident and homes in San Francisco purchased for just $1 per family, the BBC reports. My friends, have you seen the video that Mr. Beast put out where he gives shoes to poor kids in, in Africa? I think it was in Africa. And everyone's clapping and cheering like, Mr. Beast is so good. One of the most evil things I've ever seen the guy do. And I like the guy. Uh, purely evil. And I say that because it's more like the banality of evil. It's that he didn't bother looking into what he was doing and why what he was doing was bad. Let me tell you, I think it was in Haiti. Tom's Shoes, the famous shoe company, said for every shoe, for every shoe, uh, pair of shoes you buy, we give one pair away for free. Sounds really nice. Free shoes for all the needy kids. What happened? Well, the people who make what cobblers? Is that what they're called? Is it, is it, is it cobbler? That's the, that's the name of the guy who makes the shoes. I think that's what it is, right? Cobbler, a person who makes shoes is a job. A men's shoes. Oh, really? Okay, well, I'm going to call them cobblers anyway because I like the word. They all went out of business. <coughs> Excuse me. They started going out of business. All of a sudden, the economy was flooded with free shoes for everybody. So they stopped going to cobblers to buy their shoes and get their shoes repaired. The cobbler then had no money for food and had no job and so stopped buying food and demand started to drop. Then bread makers didn't have money from the cobblers to buy the tools and the machine and the equipment they needed. And then it created a depression. If they were to give $97,000 per qualifying resident in San Francisco, it would make them dependent, destitute. It would destroy their lives. 
Hard work breeds resilience and critical thinking, and you need that to survive a rapidly changing economy and environment. If the government comes in and says we give for free, then there will be no, put it this way, if you don't exercise and all you do is eat, you get fat and you get sedentary and you get sick. Same thing applies with giving someone money. We have to have balance in our lives. The Board of Supervisors reported, vo- uh, re- reported voiced enthusiastic support for the proposed reparations plan during Tuesday's meeting. Those of my constituents who lost their minds about this proposal, it's not something we are doing or we could do for other people. It's something we would do for our future, for everybody's collective future, said Supervisor Raphael Mandelman. The Board of Supervisors can approve all, some, or none of the recommendations and have the power to change them. A final committee report will be delivered to the state legislature on July 1st, where lawmakers will then decide whether to draft and pass legislation. Please, we got to get behind this, guys, because if you're somebody who thinks it's a bad idea, then what happens is San Francisco blows itself up financially. And if we're wrong, they've cured all of the racist ailments and everything will just get better. And it's only really California making the risks. I'm for it, baby. Let's bring it on. Give money out. Let's just see how that rolls. According to the AP, an estimate from Stanford University's Hoover Institute revealed the draft reparation plan could cost non-black families in the city at least $600,000 each. Yes, make them pay all of them. I want each and every family in San Francisco who votes for this to have that money taken by force from their bank accounts. I'm kidding, by the way. But wouldn't that be funny? It's not going to it's not going to manifest in their bank accounts being stripped. It's going to manifest in them one day walking outside and being like, there's another pothole. My tire exploded. Why won't this get fixed? They'll then complain to their government and keep voting for the same thing. And then it will all come crumbling down around them. Yeah, well, they deserve it. I mean, that's what I think is going to happen. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they implement this and it is a paradise. It becomes a utopia flying cars. The poop vanishes off the streets. I'm down. Opponents of the proposal say the city can't afford major reparations payments at the moment due to a deep budget deficit. Oh, about that. I guess they will take it from people's banks. This conversation that we're having in San Francisco is completely unserious. They just threw a number up. There's no analysis, says John Dennis, chair of the San Francisco Republican Party, who said he is open to serious discussion on the subject, but doesn't consider the five million dollar proposal to be one. It seems ridiculous. And it also seems that this is the one city where it could possibly pass. I love how a San Francisco Republican is basically like your average leftist. Like, they're not even conservative. Earlier this month, the committee made the decision to limit reparations to the descendants of black people who were in the U.S. in the 19th century. But um, California was a free state. Like, what? Why is California paying reparations? Whatever, man. Millionaire San Francisco politician pushing for $5 million reparations also wants to defund the police thinks Honduran drug dealers are human trafficking victims, and is proposing red light districts all over California to make sex work safer. Democrat Hillary Ronan sits on San Francisco's 11-person board of supervisors. A Chesa Boudin loyalist, she wants to legalize sex work across the city. Ronan and her public defender husband own a $2.4 million home. Give them what they want. They live there. They voted for it. Why would I complain? I want to see what happens. I want, to, I want to know if this BLM activist guy is right. Xavier DeRousseau, a conservative activist who used to support BLM, previously lived in the Bay Area and said reparations plan was nonsense. 
The plan was aired at a board of supervisors hearing, yada, yada, yada. I think I follow this dude on, uh, on social media, actually. He's pretty cool. This is never going to actually happen, said Xavier, a conservative activist. It is so unrealistic to think the average family in San Francisco is going to be able to pay $600,000 extra apiece. <laughs> of course they can't. Vote for it, please. D, uh, du Rousseau, who was born in Chicago, moved to California, age 19, and lived in the Bay Area, told Fox News anchor Laura Ingram he was disgusted that homeless people were on the streets in large numbers while the city discussed handing out $1 homes. The city would also pay all homeowners association fees or taxes associated with the property the plan recommended. <laughs> it's going to blow up in their faces so ridiculously. He says, when people look at this list of the things that they are recommending, the most alarming thing for most is the $5 million going to each black person. But for me, for me as an American, I am looking at this list and I see that they are wanting to sell homes at $1 to black Americans. As an American and as someone who used to live in the Bay Area, it is disgusting to me that we are more focused on slavery, which ended in 1865, than we are focused on the veterans who are on the streets of San Francisco homeless and begging for spare change in 2023. Standing ovations, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Du Rousseau said that he saw the campaign as part of a move to indoctrinate black Americans into dependency. Yes. Hit the nail on the head with the hammer. This is 111 ways to gaslight black Americans into thinking that we need to be dependent on a system of handouts in order to be successful, uh, said Duraceau, uh, who had previously spoken about being raised a Democrat and then seeing the light. See, me and this guy, both from Chicago, I bet, I bet we've seen and experienced very similar things. That when you're in Chicago and you live under 80 some odd years of Democrat control, and then one day you're like, why are you doing this? These people keep doing the same things. The city is, is garbage. He now works as a commentator for PragerU. Black Americans have been indoctrinated with these lies for too long. And I used to fall for the lies until I took a deep dive into the videos on PragerU.com and realized how easily debunked to these fraudulent narratives around systemic racism actually are. He concluded that it was virtue signaling by white liberals. Uh, Xavier, awfuls. Affluent white female liberals. That's what it is. He concluded that it was virtue signaling. People are taking full advantage they are selling their books. They are selling black people their own oppression because it is profitable, profitable to indoctrinate people with victim mentality. Here, here, good sir. This guy gets it. Many say they are owed not just for the time their ancestors were enslaved, but also for generations afterwards because African-Americans have been incarcerated at disproportionately higher rates than, than white Americans. The proposal put forward in San Francisco on Tuesday night are among some of the most generous to be heard to date. Those who advocate for them last night did so wholeheartedly. Oh, look, the communist fist. Let me tell you guys, they try and claim it's the black power fist. Sure, just like the Roman salute is the white power hand sign, the raised fist fingers forward is called a red salute. It is a communist gesture, and it represents all of the fingers coming together to, to make something strong. Individually, the finger is weak. Together, it's strong, much like the fascists, which is a weapon crafted from a bundle of sticks bound together with a blade on it. Individually, a stick is weak, but together they are strong. It's a very similar authoritarian ideology. For some reason, they started to use this symbol, and they still do. It's probably for the same reason that schools will not tell you how evil Stalin and the communists, communists were, or how, how evil Mao was, but everyone won't shut up about Hitler. Yeah, we get it. Hitler was a particularly evil guy. And it's because ethnic cleansing takes it to a whole new level. But yo, Stalin did it too. The Holodomor? the forced starvation of the Ukrainian people. And let's not forget what happened in China. The Cultural Revolution, they started just murdering people. 
And now you have in modern China, you have the Uyghur Muslims being put in concentration camps and the women are being raped and then given forced abortions. That stuff's still happening. Not to mention what's going on in Libya. Boy, could I tell you. So anyway, good on them for their Marxist symbolism. One sang a verse from the 1964 civil rights anthem by Sam Cooke, a change is going to come. The board of supervisors who heard the suggestions can vote to adopt some or all of the recommendations. Of the 11 people on the board, one uh, board president, Shimon Walton, is African-American. The board will not decide on whether to or not to adopt the recommendations until later this year, once the committee which put forward the final draft has published a final report. Now, in order to qualify, you must be an individual who has identified as black or African-American on public documents for at least 10 years. So Rachel Rachel Dolezal qualifies 18 years or older, older. Okay, you must also meet these these uh, two of these eight criteria born in San Francisco between 1940 and 1996 and proof of residency for the last 13 years. Okay, so Rachel Dolezal won't Dolezal won't qualify them. Migrated to SF between 1940 and 96, having proof of residency personally or the direct descendant of someone incarcerated by the failed war on drugs. Okay, wait a minute. Only two of these eight that that could apply to uh, uh, Rachel Dolezal. I don't know. Record of attendance in San Francisco public schools, probably not. Descendant of someone enslaved th- through U.S. chattel slavery before 1865. Displaced or the direct descendant of someone displaced from San Francisco by the urban renewal between 54 and 73. Listed or the direct descendant of a certificate of preference holder, member of an historically marginalized group that experienced lending discrimination in San Francisco between 1937 and 1968 or subsequently experienced lending discrimination. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on there a minute. Might I qualify for this? A member of a historically marginalized group that experienced lending discrimination? Yo, guys, I'm part Japanese and Korean. Asians were getting mad discriminated against. They put they put Japanese people in concentration camps. I'm 5% Japanese, 20% Korean. Hey, in all seriousness, though, I hear stories from my family about how back then people were racist against you. In fact, my, my mom's side of the family, it was, it was illegal. Yo, watch 1923. They have that scene where the cops come, 1923, and they beat the, the white guy up and arrest his Asian wife, and he calls his kid mongrels. Hey, man, you know, I'm a member of a group that experienced lending discrimination, so that's one. What else, what else can we get? Can I, can I get one more of these things that would make, qualify me for five million bucks? Uh... Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, no, no, no. You have to be black. You have to be black. So it doesn't qualify. Asians aren't don't qualify. Sorry, guys. False alarm. False alarm. You must be 18 years or older, and you must be identifying as black or African American on public documents for at least 10 years. So I guess what they're saying is now's your chance to right now identify yourself as black on a public document, so that 10 years from now, if this happens again, you can get reparations too. Heads up, Rachel Dolezal. Um. Here's another question. Uh, so if Rachel Dolezal identifies as black and she's older than 18, she hits those two. Now she needs just two more from this eight criteria. What if she is a member of a group that was experienced lending discrimination? Like what if she was Irish or something, you know, and they received. OK, let's just say hypothetically that that counts. And then uh, the urban renewal. Like I don't, was that purely race related? Record of attendance in San Francisco public schools during the time of consent of the consent degree to complete desegregation within the school system. I don't know, man. I got to say, 
She might get that last one and she might get direct descendant of someone incarcerated by the failed war on drugs. Yo, a lot of white people are in jail because of the war on drugs. So if like she had a, a parent or grandparent or somebody who was incarcerated, what's the time limit? Three months, six months, one year? How long? Maybe she does. I don't know. I'll put it this way. I'm willing to bet there's going to be some white dude who has identified as black, you know, maybe like Sean King or something, 18 years or older, who's from San Fran and whose dad was in jail. And he's going to be like, man, I get reparations. And his like his grandparents are going to be from like Germany or something. And he's going to walk up and he's going to be like, hey, man, five million bucks in a free house. I'm taking it. Wouldn't you? Who wouldn't do that? Now, me, I don't want to live in San Francisco because there's poop all over the streets. But, you know, that's just me. Maybe you wouldn't care. Take five million bucks in a free house. Uh, seems like, you know, probably a good thing, huh? So you have to be a resident. You must you must meet at least two of the following criteria. I think that's really crazy. If you're the descendant of someone enslaved through U.S. chattel slavery, dude, there's going to be a ton of white people like that. Uh, who is that lady? Angela was it Angela Davis or whatever her name was. She found out she was a descendant of uh, the Mayflower or whatever. There's going to be somebody who's like white as white can be with red hair, blue eyes. And they're going to be like, I don't know a whole lot about my mom's side of the family, just some uh, cattle ranchers. And then they're going to go back, you know, seven generations and be like, oh, you know, my great, 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 great grandmother actually was a former slave. Granted, that has been mostly diluted out because it was one person 200 years or 150 years ago. But, you know, like it could even be longer than that. Look at that. Before 1865, you know, what if you have an ancestor who is like 1730 and you are like 99.9% white and they find out that you're like 0.037% black? It's like, well, that qualifies. Granted, you have to say it in the documents. So I love this stuff. I love this stuff. You know what we should do? We should get Xavier on the show on, uh, on, on Timcast IRL. He seems like a cool dude. I started following him on, uh, on Instagram. He's based. I like what he has to say about a lot of this stuff. And uh, all I, I, look, you know what the reality is? Sane, logical people who oppose wokeness know that race, race is meaningless. It's completely meaningless. There's some things about it you can look at, like majority of people playing the NBA are black. There, there's probably a correlation between that and like height or whatever, which makes sense because Swedish people are also very tall. So you probably see more Swedish people. And then people in Thailand and Korea are shorter. Those things are just, you know, correlations you can see. But when it comes to an individual, yeah, we don't play these games. I don't care where you're from, what you look like, how tall or short you are. If you got good ideas, you got good ideas. If you got bad ideas, you got bad ideas. That's what I think is important in all of this. So ultimately what it comes down to is if you are someone who lives in San Francisco and you voted for these politicians, you deserve to have them go to your bank and take your money from you because you voted for it. But it's just tax dollars. They, can, they can't afford it, but they can take it from you and that'll pay the bills. You, you reap what you sow. If that's what you want, that's what you get. And I am totally down for it. I mean, I wouldn't vote for it myself, but uh, y'all can do whatever you want. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. So apparently on The View, one of the most shockingly offensive things ever done, Whoopi Goldberg farts. Again, apparently, because like I guess they fart all the time. And, you know, I don't have to lead with this because we actually have this story where Whoopi Goldberg issues public apology for using the racially charged word gypped while slamming Trump on The View. Now, this is the real story. It's like gypped is rooted in Egyptian and gypsy. 
And it's considered offensive because the idea is that the Romani people who are wandering about, were going to rip you off. So getting gypped referred to them. Thus, it's racist. Dude, calm down. A public apology for saying this? Are the Romani people sending in letters to The View complaining about it? But alas, you know, it's it's Thursday. It's Thursday, right? <laughs> like, What day is it? It's Thursday. I'm chilling. Y'all are chilling. I'm going to go watch Shazam in a little bit. And um, we're going to talk about the fart. The fart, because The View is a garbage show. And this is apparent. This is really funny. So I don't know. There, there's the lead. I hope you had a good laugh. Whoopi Goldberg loudly passed gas during Wednesday morning's show in the latest cringeworthy moment for the co-host. Video of the incident shows the veteran actor getting thrown off her talking points after experiencing the gassy interruption. Goldberg even went on to acknowledge the incident, telling the audience that was gas as her co-host and the audience laughed out loud. Yeah, okay, look. Let's be real. People fart happens all the time. You can try and hold it in. You're on, you're on TV, lady. But when you get old, you lose control. But, but really, this exemplifies what the view is to me. She farts. She goes, yeah, I farted. <laughs> and everyone starts laughing. And I'm just like, man, you know, maybe that's our problem. The problem with Timcast and Timcast IRL is that we aren't doing fart jokes anymore. Now, look, I get it. Back in the day when we first started, we weren't really doing guests. And we had with the stream deck, uh, Eric Swalwell farting. And boy, did we get consistent viewership. Now, to be fair, it was during the pandemic. Everybody was locked in their houses. And apparently the only thing they had to do was watch our show as we pressed the button where Greta Thunberg says, how dare you? And then we have um, Swalwell going, cheat, an election, cheat, an election. Do you remember that when Eric Swalwell farted on TV? Anyway, here's the actual story I wanted to talk about, but I couldn't help but lead him with the fart, with fart, fart gate or whatever. Whoopi Goldberg has apologized for using a Romani slur on Wednesday's episode of The View with the host claiming her age played a factor. Oh, boy. Goldberg had been discussing possible criminal charges against former U.S. President Trump in the hush money scandal with porn star Stormy Daniels when she used the word gypped. While speaking with fellow co-host, the 67-year-old said, the people who still believe that he got, you know, gypped somehow will still believe that he cared enough about his wife to pay that money from his personal thing. I just don't understand it. If that was the case, then why all the subterfuge? Why is Michael Cohen paying for it? Oh, boy. Trump's lawyer went on TV and basically laid it out. Trump denied it because he was legally bound to a settlement agreement where he had to deny it. You, he had to. But um, shockingly still, after everything they have tried to dig up against Donald Trump, the best they could muster is hush money payments. That's it. You know what, man? I am sick of this cult. These people are psychopaths. They're insane. And Whoopi Goldberg's dumb as a box of rocks. And I'm a big fan of Guinan in Star Trek. But man, lady, you need to read. The problem I have with this generation, not with the entirety of it, with, with these specific the generation of TV hosts, is they don't do work. Bill Maher, in my opinion, does the minimum. I don't think he reads the news I don't think he Google searches these things. He's getting his information secondhand because anybody who's actually doing the groundwork, doing the journalism knows exactly what's going on. And thus, Bill Maher, while better of the boomers, is still a guy who I think phones it in. The best example is the Covington kids. A week after we learned that it was a hoax, he still pushed the false narrative. Now, he needs to update his system, okay? 
because he is way behind the times. We have access to social media. We can break through and get down to brass tacks, figure out what's really going on. That's what journalism is. I don't blame the comedian guy, okay? He's getting his information secondhand. It is what it is. We here at TimCast, we have a news team. And I, myself, am a journalist. So more so doing journalism in the past few years, more so commentary these days, especially with the new Culture War show. Check it out, youtube.com slash TimCast, Fridays at 1 p.m. But I got a news team that fact checks things when I need to, and I myself do the groundwork journalism to fact check things. And, you know, I get it. Goldberg was quick to issue an apology after realizing the faux pas, chalking up the mistake to the words she heard throughout her life. Oh, geez. In the 21 second. Oh, let's just play this because I got to hear it. Oh, wait, is it muted? There we go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the audio. You know, I always have the audio switch to the wrong, the wrong uh, channel. Always. Here we go. I got it. We're going to restart it. You know, when you're a certain age... You use words that you know from when you were a kid or you remember saying, and that's what I did today, and I shouldn't have. I should have thought about it a little longer before what? I said it, but I didn't. And I should have said cheated, and I used another word, and I'm really, really sorry. Nobody you know? knows what this word means. Nobody learned this word in a racial context. No one, when I grew up, said I've got an idea. When I'm being cheated, I'll use a word that derogatory refer, der, derogatorily refers to the Romani people, which is actually re, re, rooted in Egypt. Nobody knows that. The word gypped comes from gypsy, which comes from Egypt. But the Romani people are not from Egypt. It just transferred to them because the Romani people were roaming about, I suppose, and then people conflated the two groups or whatever. But welcome to the modern media. The View is a garbage show for, I don't know, man, look. I try to be nice to a certain degree, but the reality is the people who watch this show are so grossly misinformed. It's like watching a bunch of chickens go. Bleh, bleh, bleh. That's what the show is. And that's what pisses me off. You know, we try so hard every day to understand the world to the best of our abilities, and we are not the smartest people on the planet, nor do I even think I'm the smartest entity in existence or anywhere near close to it. I don't think humans are all that bright. There's probably very powerful entities well beyond our ability to think that exist somewhere else we can't see or perceive, much like ants don't really know what we are doing. They have no idea what a highway is. And so all I say is, look, man, there are a lot of people smarter than me. There are a lot of entities probably smarter than me. I don't know. I have no evidence of them, but I assume they exist based on what the universe is. I'm not going to pretend to be the smartest person in the world. The only thing I ask is due diligence. The only thing I ask is that people like Whoopi Goldberg research things. That the people on The View don't just say whatever garbled nonsense they heard without doing any work. Look, man, this is what I'm trying to say. I am not the smartest creature. I'm not the smartest human, not by a long shot, not by any stretch of the imagination. But I work as long and as hard as possible to try and understand the world. That's all I can ask. You know, if, you're, if, if there's a dog, I don't expect the dog to know math, but a dog that tries really hard to, to do what you need it to do and be there for you is a good dog. A dog that can't solve complex equations, we're not going to hold it against the dog. I'm not going to complain that Whoopi Goldberg is dumb. I only ask that she Google search things and, she, and then she can go, you know, I don't really understand what's going on with this Trump thing, but I looked it up and they're saying something like Trump had a confidentiality thing. So what does that mean? He wasn't allowed to say it? Yes. Simply read. Read. Look, Bill Maher's a smart guy too. 
Bill Maher's a smart guy. I might go on his show. We'll see what happens. I don't know if they want me on, on that show or whatever. But he's a smart guy. The issue is a very smart guy, actually. The issue is that these people get their information secondhand. And that means the people who watch their shows are getting it thirdhand. Actually, I should, I should stop there. They're getting it th- thirdhand and the audience is getting it fourthhand. Here's what I mean. We here at TimCast.com, we do actual field reporting. We have reporters go on the ground. We have a team of journalists that actually report stories and fact check them. I myself personally fact check many stories. I pull up articles. I'll cross-reference them and see if they're, you know, it's a basic fact check, not the core journalism itself. Secondhand information. That is to say, somebody watched Whoopi Goldberg say the word, wrote the article. I got it secondhand from them. I then bring it to you thirdhand, but with some due diligence. Whoopi Goldberg and Bill Maher get it thirdhand, meaning they're hearing it from their producers who heard it from a journalist and nobody fact checked it. They then bring it to you and people like Bill Maher then bring it to their audience, who's now getting a fourth degree of the game of telephone to understand the world just doesn't work. And John Oliver's the worst. These, these, these comedy pundits that just have a formulaic approach to it lie because they're actually like, can we present politics in a funny way to make jokes, even if they don't make sense, because then we get clicks and make money. That's the nature of reality. So I hope you all realize that the fart story was attractive in, well, actually kind of gross, but makes people want to listen. And then you can tell them what's really going on. No, I'm half kidding. The real issue is that this is the kind of news that the average woman I shouldn't say the average, but many women are getting. This is the garbage they're listening to. And eh, the fart thing was funny. We are allowed to be childish and engage in potty humor. I will leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. This may be one of the greatest Karen Ethot takedowns at the gym I've ever seen. Ladies and gentlemen, in this video posted by Clown World, a woman is doing this thing where she's like, are you looking at me? Are you staring at me? And the guy's like, excuse me? And she's like, you're being rude. Stop staring at me. Do you need something? And he's like, no. And she goes, you don't own the gym. And he's like, no, but I work here. Is there a problem? Yo, you got to see this video. And then we got to talk about this gym thing because there's this article that came out like a week ago where these women are like, men won't stop staring at me at the gym. And then I'm like, well, if a guy's groping you and creeping on you, that's a really bad thing. I don't appreciate that. So let me check out this. Oh, there it is. Her whole profile is like, her wearing skin-tight pants that go right into her butt crack, and she's posting thumbnails of her butt. And it's like, dude, you are intending to make videos to get guys to stare to make money and then pretending to be upset about it. But let me play this video for you because uh, this one's just just too funny. Here we go. Do you need something? Do you need something? Okay, I thought so. Are you okay? Keep the question. If you're getting rude, you can leave. Nobody was looking at you any type of way. I don't own the gym. I, I work here. Okay. Yes. And if you're getting rude, then you can leave. That means what? I can call the police and have you trespass mm-hmm. right now. Would you like that? Go ahead. Okay, cool. Go ahead, let them know. That's what we'll do. So right now, I'm just going to take the stuff and hit up front. All right. Look at this. Threatened to call the police. I was trespassed and my membership was revoked. Let me go back and, and uh, uh, make it a little smaller so you can see the full picture here. Yo, this lady, these, the, okay, look, man, it is not okay to creep on women at the gym. I think most guys agree with that. But most guys are just trying to work out. This one video that I found, it's like, there's a like guy's just like lifting and they're looking in the mirror and she's like, are you looking at me? And the guys are like, huh? So now there's this meme. It's really funny. 
where it's like a guy and he's working out at the gym and then he has his shirt pulled over his head as he's working out because women won't leave him alone. There's another one where it's like, this one's really good. It's like modern, modern gym workouts. And there's a guy who's curling and his neck is all the way 180 degrees. And the woman is twerking in front of his face. Like, dude, look at this. Look, look at this. This guy is doing nothing. Let me play this video again. He's like, hello. And she's like, do you need something? Do I need something? Look at his face. Like, what's going on? No. Okay. I thought so. Are you okay? Keep it pushing. Keep it pushing. If you're getting rude, you can leave. Nobody was looking at you in any type of way. You don't own the gym. I don't own the gym. I work here. Yes. I own the gym. I work here. Yes. Right there when she's like, okay, I think she realized she just stepped in it. She's acting like, oh, all the men are looking at me. Look at this. I was trespassed and my membership was revoked. Yo, lady, you posted this? Why would you post this video? Okay. So here's, here's the article I see. It's from like a week ago. Groped on a workout bench, smacked on the bottom, secretly filmed, the woman assaulted by gym sex pests, and why they won't take it anymore. I don't believe it. I just don't believe it anymore. I think they're all lying. Sorry. I bet it happens sometimes, but I really just don't believe it. Because all they do, it's like, it's like the hate crime hoaxes. They make it up and say, the men were staring at me. Yo, you're on camera. Nobody was staring at you and you got kicked out and your membership was revoked because you're making this stuff up. Here's what I got to say. Okay, look, dude, I'll say it again. Guys should not creep on women or grope women or any of that stuff. Mind your own business. But I don't believe these people. Take a look at this one. They talk about these people. I don't want to drag them, but there's this video right here where this woman is working out. They're wearing pants that are so tight, it goes into their ass cracks. And she's like, Women, woman stops gym goer from looking at her by recording workout. Yo, ain't nobody in the videos looking at her. Look, here's a guy walking past. He doesn't stop and do anything. He just walks behind her. What is she talking? I watched this whole video. She's like, I then went to go talk to him and I stopped working out. She doesn't film the guy. She blurs his face. Why? I think she faked it. Because if she actually showed the guy, the guy would come out and be like, yo, I never did this. She's lying. Take a look at this. I got I got I'm going to I'm going to highlight this one because I am sick of this narrative. I am sick of this whole thing. I am sick of these videos where the women are like the men are staring at me. Yo, a lady got pinned down trying to do a bench press and ain't nobody comes to her help. Then there's another woman. She was trying to do a squat and she gets stuck. And she's like, hello, excuse me. And nobody comes over because nobody wants to be involved. Nobody wants to be in these videos. You shouldn't be filming in the gym in the first place. So she goes in this thing where she's like, this guy was, was, was lurking on me and all that stuff. Okay, fine. Look, I'll say it. I don't know. Maybe. And I'll say it for the fourth time. You should not do that. But yo, I got an issue here. I pulled up this lady's, this lady's uh, uh, TikTok. Look at the... I'm sorry, dude. This, this whole thing. Here, okay, let's, let's go through videos first. Her first video, she's wearing pants that are so tight it's going into her butt. Yeah, some of it is workout stuff. But I am telling you, most of these women are doing this because they are selling a very extreme soft core. I say extreme, it's like a very, very ultra soft core version of something that is sexually enticing to males. They know they're doing it. That's why the thumbnail is her ass in one, two, three, three of the videos in the front of her page. Look at this one. 
It's just her. Like, why are you filming your ass? Why don't you put the camera at an angle where we can see your legs? It's because they know what they're doing. They then go to the gym and they're like, why are the men staring at me? I mean, my pants are so tight. They go into my ass. But then men are staring at me. It's, it's, it's OK. A lot of her posts, not really all like that. And that's fine. You want to exercise. You want to flex. I totally get it. No big deal. But when I'm trying to find the post from this woman where it's like, I want to see this video. Was she really having a guy come after her? Maybe she is. I'm not. I'm not. Look, she's allowed to do all this stuff. I'm not trying to speak about her as, as an individual. I'm trying to speak culturally about the whole thing. Yo, lady, you put up a video of your ass in tons of these clips. That, that first woman, she was do, like th- this video from a month ago. She's doing hip thrusts on, on the ground. And some guy is like working out and like he looks over and she's like, oh, why are you looking at me? And it's like, lady, you run an OnlyFans. You are literally trying to get men to look at you all the time and then pretending to be outraged when they do. Look, you don't get to put. Look at this. OK, you got this one. She's flexing. That's fine. You're allowed to flex. No issue there. This one is a picture of her ass. With pants, with shorts so tight, they're into her butt cheeks. Here's one where she's, the thumbnail is her pulling her pants into her butt cheeks. Here's another one where, once again, dude, she's wearing shorts that are so tight, they are in her butt, inside her butt, right here. Look at this. Then she got another one where she's literally showing her butt. Now she's she got one flexing. Flexing's fine. I got, I got no issue. My point is this. How can someone come out and be like, I'm so tired of what the men are doing here. They're staring at me. When it's literally you wearing pants so tight, maybe people are looking at you not because they're attracted to you, but because they're like, why is she wearing that? Why, why, why is she like, what is this? Look, man, I've gone to gyms. Okay. I used to, I used to go, go to the gym every, uh, every, every morning, every other morning or whatever. I can't remember the schedule we had. I go to the gym and we go on the treadmill and it was too cold out to skate. And I wanted to exercise and I know where to exercise to go to the gym. Now, now, Full disclosure, I got my own skate park, so I don't really have to worry about that. It can be snowy, it can be windy, it can be rainy, and I can go downstairs and skate in my own skate park. But when I didn't have that, I, had, I would go to the gym. And do you know what women would wear at the gym? They would wear like regular shorts that were not super skin tight, and we wouldn't stare at them. But what happens when someone shows up just like a clown? You're going to be like, yo, this person's dressed really weird. And then as soon as you look, they go, stop staring at me. Their nipples and their butt crack are all like their, their pants are shoved up their butts. And then you walk in and you're, and you're sitting there being like, yo, that lady's dressed real weird. Like, like, why are you looking? Why are you staring? It's like, yo, lady, because you're wearing skin tight, like your, your pants so tight, they're inside your butt. Anyway, we've had this thing that's been ongoing, but uh, I'll just put it this way. This video right here. The one I played in the beginning is like just mm, satisfactory, satisfactory. This employee walks up like, what's going on? She's like harping on people. She's like ragging on people. She's like, you got a problem? And he's like, what are you doing? Are you okay? Like, look, man, let me ask you something. You see what she's wearing? You see, let let me show you. She's wearing skin tight shorts and a sports bra. And she's like taking her shirt off or something like that about to work out. My question is this. Now, first I don't care if women want to wear yoga pants or wear tights or whatever, but like, I don't go around wearing Speedos with my bulge popping out or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like guys don't do that. I go to the gym and the guys are wearing t-shirts and shorts. They're not wearing things to make their muscles stick out. They're not wearing shirts that are so tight. It's, it's pulsating from their muscles. You know, like they're wearing regular clothes. The guys are all wearing regular clothes. This guy, his shirts, the guy who works there, he's wearing a regular shirt. 
I mean, yeah, you can see his muscles and that stuff. My question is, is why are the women wearing super skin tight clothing? You want to make the argument? Well, it's more comfortable. It's more comfortable. Okay. But like, it's more comfortable for me to wear Speedos if I'm working out. I can go skating in Speedos. But we consider what we look like to other people. So I, I, don't, I don't buy that excuse where it's like, I, I should be allowed to wear skin tight clothing. You should, but expect people to stare at you. If a guy shows up in a tangerine Speedo, the talk of the town, that's the point of the song. The talk of the town, Mr. Tangerine Speedo, because he's walking around in underwear with this junk flopping about. Everybody's looking at him and talking about it. Anyway, I'll leave it there. I hope you enjoyed this segment. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see y'all then.